Hello and welcome to this edition of the Rare Possessions Podcast. This is Nick Galetti and with me is Jared Riddick from Book of Mormon Central. How are you? Oh, then a small sniffle, not bad. <laughs> a small sniffle. I apologize if my voice sounds a little off. And we do tend to record these episodes in bulk, so the uh, the next few weeks are probably going to be with that same cold-sounding voice. Probably. But that's okay because we are getting into the winter season, the holiday season, and uh, we have this mini-series, if we want to call it that. They're not really connected other than the fact that they are from the editor's table section, and they're all by Joseph F. Smith. Um, in articles that he put, was this in the Improvement Era, right? Improvement Era, which he was the editor of at yeah. the time. So so we have three different ones, and we're going to cover this week one of the editor's tables entitled Principle, Not Popularity. This is a, a very strongly worded. It is. Yeah. It is. That's why it it stuck in my memory. When, so we were talking about uh, leading up to this, okay, what do we want to cover next? I'm like, oh, we got we have some good stuff from President Smith. Yeah. Now, was the improvement era, was it the end sign of the day, the new era of the day? I don't know if there was an end sign of the day at that point. There were a lot more periodicals than there are now. But the target audience was whom? Target audience was youth at this point. This yeah. is still only four years into the improvement era's run. Yeah. Uh, 1897. This is, uh, oh, actually, this is 1906. It's a different article. It's 1901. This is only nine years into the improvement era's run. Yeah. Um, July 1906. And so it's still Young Men's Mutual Improvement Association. Yeah. It's still targeted towards the youth. And I can see how this message would definitely have an impact on the youth because they are the rising generation and they are the ones that are probably going to be the most affected by what President Smith is concerned about. Yeah. He's he's a bit of a firebrand in this article. Yes, he is. Um he his opening line is a rather efficient tone setter. He says, It is to be regretted that there is a class of Latter day Saints who try, at the risk of principle, to popularize Mormonism. It should be noted there that Mormonism is in quotation marks. Yes. Which I liked. Um, there's been something to do there about President Nelson's revelation on the name of the sure. church. And it's just going to show that even back, Mormonism was never the preferred name. It was always just what they used because that was the uh, uh, another option that had, been, that had been thrown out there. Yeah. One of the other strengths to this is that it was given over 100 years ago. Yes. And, but but it, it feels very relevant today. It does. There's a number of articles in the Improvement Era that feel that way. And I think that goes to the power of their writing. Maybe it has something to do with being prophets. Prophet. I, don't, I don't But yeah, it's definitely an uh, indication of their prophetic voice, their ability to give a message that is not just relevant to their day, but is relevant and applicable to the days of Latter-day, later Latter-day Saints. <laughs> later Latter. All right. So we've got uh, this, the subject matter here is essentially the setting the boundaries between the world and the church and yeah. who is influencing whom. And some of that was, was given recently at a talk uh, given by Elder Holland at the Neil A. Maxwell Institute at BYU just I was a there couple weeks that. ago. Yeah. It was or, a very powerful address. Elder Holland is always incredibly powerful. Yeah. This was a wonderful address. Yeah. So I particularly wanted to connect those two because it seems to be further evidence that the, the, this council is given not only to those who use social issues to erode principle, but perhaps even those who address matters of academics. There seems to be an equally powerful draw for people to appear socially popular today mm -hmm. as there is a pressure to appear academically popular. 
And so this is, again, this is a lot of reiteration on that. But you had some quote, I believe, from that talk. Yes, and it's not the full quote. Uh, The full quote I mentioned will be available when the church, the Maxwell Institute releases the full video. That'll take some time with editing. Um, But it's from George MacDonald. I said, the soul that loves the truth and tries to be true will know when to speak and when to be silent. But the true man will never look as if he did not care. We are not bound to say all we think, but we are bound not even to look like what we do not think. That that hit me. I've been I've been pondering on that the last couple of days. Yeah, what question? What conclusions have you come to? I am rather averse to confrontation. Uh, I will shy away usually rather than saying anything, um, whether in person or online. Because once I get going, I tend to go rather quickly. I'm like a howler <laughs> in Harry Potter. Um, just start yelling out of nowhere. Um, I don't like that side of myself, so I strive to avoid it. And I realize I don't have to have that. Doesn't need to be that this. Stay quiet or start yelling mentality. Zero to 60. Yeah. It, it can be like, no, just make it clear where you stand. As long as cool. everybody else knows, that's the important part. Yeah. It's. Be an influence for good. Yeah. But not a we'll force a, a force for domination of thought and, and that sort of thing. I mean, one of the things that I think we see today that, that applies is that there's, it seems to be that there's very little room for difference of opinion. It has become that way. And and that I think might be part of part of the influence that we need to keep at bay. One of the things that I was interested in when I was thinking about this is that we have a situation here where President Smith is of course leader of the church, what is this, fifty years? No, this would be sixty years after the Saints left, approximately. Yeah. After the Saints left Nauvoo 40, and all 46. that. So, you know, here here he is. Still connected to the pioneer movement. He came from that. But he's in a situation where they are, they've been in Utah in a sen- sense of isolation from the world, from the oppressive government officials. Not completely, of course, but, you know, that sort of thing. And here he is just seeing the youth maybe inviting the influence of the world and, and understanding that they fought very hard and a great sacrifice came to Utah to have a sense of isolation from that. Uh, so we, historically, we have that kind of going, but I also wanted to share this last quote uh, from the article, and uh, it seems to be, again, as appropriate today as it was in 1906. He says, uh, speaking of these individuals who uh, seem to seek to popularize or to change, quote-unquote, Mormonism, uh, he says, they judge the authorities of the church by the emotions of the world and not by the inspirations of the Almighty. From this point of view, they see occurrences as they are seen by men who are devoted to a temporal and not to eternal things, and hence cannot or will not comprehend how matters appear differently to those whose mental surveys are taken from the heights of gospel truth. So here again, he, I think he's trying to set this, this boundary between how we even assess the teachings of the prophets. I'm, I was reminded as you read that of the uh, Watchmen on the Tower uh, seminary video. Yeah. So I was thinking of that they can see the threats that are far off. And this is President Smith, who does see the threats afar off, very clearly saw it because it's still a threat today. Yeah, which is also why we wanted to share this short article with you, this editor's table um, from Joseph F. Smith in the Improvement Era, July 1906, entitled Principle Not Popularity. So enjoy a reading of that. Principle Not Popularity by Joseph F. Smith in the Improvement Era, July 1906. 
it is to be regretted that there is a class of Latter-day Saints who try, at the risk of principle, to popularize quote-unquote Mormonism. They desire to make our religion conform to the doctrines and wishes of other people. They appear to be more concerned about being in harmony with men of the world than with living according to the principles of the gospel. If any particular action of the church comes in contact with the ideas of men who walk in their own way, such action in the minds of these so-called saints should immediately give place to the changeable notions of public clamor. Be like others, let us not be peculiar, is their cry, even if that peculiarity manifests itself in the old-fashioned notion of demanding our legal rights and fair play among our fellows. But if for just cause we cannot be like others, they criticize the authorities who do not or cannot accept their liberal notions. Such brethren should remember that the theories of the worldly wise cannot with safety be engrafted into the principles of the gospel. We have received a distinct dispensation of the gospel given us by the Lord, and it has been maintained to this day by the revelations of God to his constituted servants. Since we know that it will continue, we cannot consent to be guided by inspiration from the outside, but are in duty bound to follow in the way revealed by God. To be directed by the postulates of the world and by leaders of men will be just as fatal to the Latter-day Saints as it was for the former-day saints. How was it with them? For nearly 300 years after Christ, the principles of the gospel remained intolerable though not complete, purity among the children of men. But when the great Roman ruler Constantine caused Christianity to become the chief religion, and the saints consented to popularize their belief by letting a pagan political ruler direct them, instead of being guided by the revelations of God, they fell into rank apostasy and gradually turned away from the simple but pure and saving doctrines of Christ. Under the strain of persecution, many followers of, and many more or less fervent believers in, the religion of the Savior, gradually fell into fellowship with pagan ideas. While this seemed to lighten the persecution and the great pressure of world hatred which was directed against them, their course resulted in engrafting into the Christian cause the fruits of paganism, and sowing in the minds of men the seeds of apostasy from the true Church of Christ. For a season, the truly staunch and faithful continued to suffer persecution rather than share popularity with the errors of paganism. They were ridiculed and scoffed at by their enemies until either death relieved them or they were driven to join the popular throng for self-protection. To the Latter-day Saints, the true, pure, simple gospel of Jesus Christ has been restored. We are responsible for maintaining it upon the earth. It must not be mixed with the policies that are foreign to the purposes of God. It will not do for us to forget the lessons learned from the experience of the former-day saints. It will not do for us to save our feelings if by so doing we corrupt the precious principles of the gospel by compromises with the world. It grieves my heart to know that there are some of the young men who would do this, who, while they would gladly cling to the gospel, are yet trying to swim in the popular pool. They cannot endure persecution, nor can they comprehend why the saints should submit to it, when it would be as easy to make friends with the enemy. Some again pose as saints when with the saints, but when with the world are cordial. 
compromising, sociable, and friendly, and even admit that all the changes demanded by the opponents of quote-unquote Mormonism will in time be made, and that what they object to and are fighting are mistakes that will be remedied in time. They are led by czar and not by the will of the Lord. They judge the authorities of the church by the emotions of the world and not by the inspirations of the Almighty. From this point of view, they see occurrences as they are seen by men who are devoted to temporal and not to eternal things, and hence cannot or will not comprehend how matters appear differently to those whose mental surveys are taken from the heights of gospel truth. Having only their own peace and the goodwill of men in mind, they fail to appreciate the toil and anxiety of the servants of God who are laboring for the greater peace, which emanates from an honest desire to witness the prosperity and advancement of God's holy cause upon the earth. My words do not imply that we should not respect the opinions of others, but they do mean that we need not therefore depart from what we know to be true and right, to adopt false and wrong ideas in order to become popular. That is not what the Lord expects of us. To be a Latter-day Saint requires the sacrifice of worldly aims and pleasures. It requires fidelity, strength of character, love of truth, integrity to principle, and zealous desire to see the triumphant, forward march of truth. This means that often our position must be unpopular. It means unending battle against sin and worldliness. It is not an easy road to travel and the opposing power will always manifest itself in the way of the young man who walks therein. But only so may we establish the truth, build character, and keep pure the principles of the gospel that have been entrusted to us. This has been a reading of Principle, Not Popularity from the Editor's Table of the Improvement Era in July 1906, as written by President Joseph F. Smith. Stay tuned next week for another edition of the Rare Possessions podcast from Book of Mormon Central. Thank you for listening.